2020 has presented enormous challenges for everyone due to COVID-19. One group that has experienced waves of change and challenges during this pandemic is parents. Parents have been affected by the changes to institutions and routines that make up their children's lives. From schools going virtual this spring, to summer camps and activities being canceled, and now many parents are adjusting to this new school year reality that, in most cases, in some form, involves virtual learning from home. Now, we're all pretty familiar with these challenges by now, and even for those who are not parents, many grandparents, aunts, uncles, friends are being called upon to help those caregivers with this new world and all these changes. But beyond that layer of logistical gymnastics is perhaps a more daunting challenge for parents and caregivers. And that is, with all this increased and sometimes unsupervised screen time for kids, how do we keep them safe from online predators, human traffickers, and those who might seek to exploit them? Hello everyone, my name is Helen Hofer and I'm the Freedom Drivers Project Director for Truckers Against Trafficking, or TAP. And you're listening to our podcast, Driving Freedom. My co-host today is Esther Gotch. She's the director of Coalition Builds for TAT. Hey, Esther, thank you so much for being my co-host today. Uh, If you would go ahead and tell a little bit about yourself and why does this topic in particular uh, hit home for you? Hi, Helen. Thanks for having me. As you know, I've worked for TAT for a little over five years now and am passionately dedicated to fighting human trafficking and working to protect those in our society who are most vulnerable to exploitation. But as you know, in addition to the work I do during the day, my real job is being a mother. Between them and their friends, their cousins and peers, you can usually find me surrounded by kids and noise and a lot of chaos. So this topic today is close to my heart. To help inform our conversation today about how to safeguard children against online exploitation, we've invited Sydney Zeiger, Community Manager for Crime Stoppers of Houston. Hi, Sydney. Thanks so much for being here with us. Hi, guys. Thanks so much for having me and for talking about this subject. So let's jump in. Sydney, can you tell us a little bit about your role at Crime Stoppers and specifically the work you have done around online safety for children? Yeah, so I'm currently the Safe Community Program Manager here at Crime Stoppers and also the executive producer of our podcast, The Balanced Voice. And really what that means is that I oversee all of our adult programming. So any safety prevention programming for adults, for parents, for community members. So when I started at Crime Stoppers, I actually worked in our Safe School Institute. And our Safe School Institute is a one-stop shop for all things school safety, all things kids. During that time, I learned a lot about what does this practically look like for a student? What does online grooming look like for a kindergartner? And then what does it look like and how is it different in middle school or high school? It's really become important for us to kind of pull back some of the fear that I've seen circulate on things like social media and give parents tangible things that they can do to help keep their students safe. I mean, when I think about this and I think about learning about online safety, I'm like, okay, I got to set aside three days. I'm going to like spend the whole time researching every app that's out there. It just feels like a lot. Like how, as a parent, on top of everything else, would you have the time to even digest this information, know what's right and wrong online, what's worth trusting or not, and to avoid some of the fear mongering that you can find out there. I love your methodology. I love that you guys are creating this in bite-sized pieces that is realistic for parents to comprehend or take the time to learn and get this critical information they need to be able to support their kids in their community. So I do want to hop back and talk about what is Crime Stoppers actually? Kind of what's that bigger mission, which then you're kind of doing this great work within? 
Crime Stoppers is a public safety organization that's been around for 40 years. We're actually celebrating our 40-year anniversary um, this month. And so how we started was as an anonymous reporting system. So if you live in Houston or the greater Houston area and you've ever watched the news, you've probably heard if you see a crime, if you hear of a crime, call Crime Stoppers at 713-222-TIPS. Now, in 2013, we really looked at what our mission is. Our mission is to solve and prevent serious crime in partnership with citizens, media, and the criminal justice system. And we felt like we were doing a really great job at the solving side, but we wanted to beef up our prevention. So that's kind of when the idea of the Safe School Institute and the Safe Community Program were born. So Safe School, again, is just all focused on students and community is all focused on adults. That's amazing. I have so many questions for you about this, (laughs) but I know I want to get us back to talking about online safety. Sydney, can you tell us a little bit more about what some of those grooming tactics are that traffickers are using online with kids and any shifts that you have seen during the pandemic? Grooming tactics honestly are generally the same during the pandemic that they were before, but we've just seen an increase in them. So really there's a flow of how this happens. And of course, every situation is different, but generally you're looking for situations where a victim is targeted. That's the first step. And to target a victim or a predator is looking for vulnerabilities. And we can talk about what some specific vulnerabilities are in a second, but befriending them. Befriending could mean all kinds of things. When we're looking at it online, it usually means chatting in some way, a lot of direct messages or fulfilling a need of some kind. What we're seeing an increase of right now is something called sugar dating, which is where usually an older, wealthier person will prey on a young person and present this relationship as a mutually beneficial relationship. When that young person starts engaging in just what they think is regular conversation, if you chat with me for just a couple times a day, I'll send you a couple hundred dollars to your bank account. That young person sees that real money show up in their bank account. They think that's awesome and they can spend it and they can buy whatever they want. And then it will escalate to that sugar daddy or sugar mama saying, hey, if you send me an inappropriate picture, I'll send you a thousand dollars instead of a couple hundred. And it's very tempting because they know this is real money. So they do it. That real money gets put in their bank account. Then that sugar daddy, sugar mama will exploit them by blackmailing them, saying, hey, if you don't continue sending me this, I'm going to release this to the whole world. So that young person feels very stuck. Here's where they desensitize them. They'll say things like, I can't believe you haven't heard of this before. And then that is when they'll capitalize. It's a little early in the pandemic to know what capitalization is fully going to look like after everything goes back to some kind of new normal. In my mind, there's a lot of grooming going on right now. There's a lot of preparing a young person for some kind of capitalization, maybe in the future. Maybe when they go back to school, that predator can swoop in and kind of, again, capitalize on all the hard work that they've been putting in for the whole pandemic. That is just horrific. And I don't think I'd realize that it really is starting with this chat. That the ask could be as simple as like, oh, if you just chat with me a couple times a day, that it doesn't just necessarily start with, send me inappropriate pictures, that it could be as simple as like chat with me. And that can be like legitimized as like, oh, this is safe. This is simple. We're just online. It's fine. Yeah. And, you know, last year alone in Harris County, about 76% of our juvenile trafficking cases had coinciding online component. And in the first half of 2020, we've seen the online solicitation of minors up by 93%. So this is happening right under our nose every single day. And I think that that 
is the part that parents have to pay attention to because it used to be like if your child's sitting right there next to you in your living room, they're safe. With the introduction of social media, your kid can be sitting next to you on the couch and be groomed. And you have no idea if you're not actively monitoring. I have to go back to something you said, something about grooming a kindergartner. Oftentimes we think of this more happening at middle school and high school age. But, you know, what are some of the things they should be thinking about and looking for um, in those kindergarten and elementary age kiddos? What parents need to understand is that it starts so young and it starts really simple. The average age that a child is exposed to pornography for the first time is 8 to 10 years old. And it could be exposures are the first thing that happened to your young child and part of the grooming process. You know, some kind of pornography that's seen. It could be a chat that happens in Roblox. It could be something that pops up on their YouTube page. It could be something that happens in whatever video game they like to play. And so at Crime Stoppers, we begin talking about internet safety in pre-K. We talk about really basic things like what do you do if something pops up on your screen that makes you feel sad, scared, or confused? Really, when it comes to any kind of safety, it needs to be an ongoing topic of conversation so that your kid can start identifying that weird gut feeling. You want them to know what that feels like. We always tell them if it feels funny in your tummy, pay attention to that. That bad feeling that you get even as an adult is there for a reason. It's there to keep you safe. Love some of those. You know, you talked about YouTube, video games. Let's get into some of those apps that you have seen used to recruit victims and how exactly the exploiters are using those apps to get to the victims. So there's all kinds of apps and this can kind of fall into what Helen was saying about being overwhelming. Um, And so what I don't want parents to ever feel like is like, oh my gosh, if this is a full-time job, like I have to spend my whole life doing this. No, that's really my job. <laughs> it's my job to do that. And it's your job to pay attention for changes in behaviors. You might not always know the top app, but what you can do is have active, honest, age-appropriate, and ongoing conversations with your kid. You have to know how they act regularly. You have to have a baseline for things to notice if there's a slight change in how they're acting or things that they're asking about or how are they dressing or, oh, they have new friends and all of a sudden you don't know all of these people. Those are things that you want to look for. Of course, we see a ton of grooming in anything that has a direct message component. During the pandemic, even for me, the kinds of weird, creepy messages that I've received over the pandemic has absolutely increased. And so if it's happening to me, I know that it's happening to our young people. Yeah, I had a friend who she posted on her Instagram story just this like, oh, look, isn't this super weird? Someone just sent me a sugar daddy post. She was like, this has happened a couple of times. I'm finally posting about it. And then I had to message her and be like, hey, like this is actually like pretty serious. Like you need to be reporting this so no one else is being targeted, whether that is the sugar daddy or some other scam to get your information. They just friend request you and they don't even message you. I think a lot of people just think, oh, that's weird. That's a stranger. Like, no, I don't want you to friend me. But they don't have any idea that this is actually a kind of predator and that you need to report this. Because when we as adults don't report it, that means that those are just circulating for our young people. I think it's our job to every time we get that request, we have to report it. Thing new that I've seen on my Instagram are requests for direct messages. And, you know, even though my account's private, I know all the people on my account and it's quite small. 
But I've seen recently almost every week, there's these handful of requests with direct messages. You know, and one of the questions I have is, you know, especially if I think about some of the teenagers in my life, they have a very pronounced social media presence. Their parents know it. They're good kids, you know. But as recently, I've been realizing, well, there's a lot of teenagers who are out in social media. They are accepting friend requests because they're getting these big following. And that's just part of what they're doing, the content they're putting out. So I'm just curious if you um, can give some examples of, you know, good questions that parents can ask or ways to navigate and bring up those types of conversations. So I think you have to start with understanding what platforms your student even enjoys. And that could be a question like, what's your favorite social media platform and why? But you kind of want to understand what their reasoning is behind why they like social media. Is it because they want a big following? Is it because they like engaging with their friends? Is it because they like engaging with strangers? Once you know that, you can kind of go through some role-playing exercises. I think that it gives the brain an opportunity to think through scenarios that you hope would never imagine. But, you know, so many studies show once you've gone there in your brain, you can respond better in the moment. So if you ask, hey, what if you get a message that says, $500 a week for spoiling my sugar baby. What are you going to do? And your your kid's probably going to laugh and be like, haha, I get that all the time. Be like, so what do you say? Do you just delete it? Yeah, of course. I'm like, okay, but let's say you had to respond. What would you say if you had to respond? Give them a second, let them figure out what they're going to say so that you can see the response. You can see what pitfalls are there. Um, Oftentimes, predators will target someone who's being bullied and be like, stick up for them or, or say like, hey, that was a nice that they said that. Like, I would never treat you like that. It's going back to those grooming tactics of befriending, targeting and befriending. I I mentor a kiddo who's in middle school and just thinking through, okay, how are we having these conversations? Because she does love TikTok. I love the asking of like, what's your favorite app? Because I feel like things change so quick. When you mentioned roadblocks earlier, I'm like, I'm gonna have to look that up. I don't even know what we're talking about. But I think what you're saying is so true. Like, it happens so fast where you think that you're so well-versed and then all of a sudden you're like, oh no, I don't know what's happening. I don't know what these apps are. Yeah, I love that structure because I feel like I've been so focused on like, I need to know the details of like setting restrictions on each app, but having that pattern and then that relationship with whatever, whoever kid is in your life that you get to interact with is so powerful and so useful. I know as a mom, I mean, it is easy just to go to, we're just going to shut it down. You know, as, as a mom who has a almost teenager moving from that middle school to, you know, high school age in that zone and seeing all the changes and realizing time is coming, I better have put the work in to help her understand internally how to not be exploited, that, you know, she needs to be able to recognize her vulnerabilities Because as much as parents, we want to be the one to prevent that from ever happening to our kids, we can't. And so I love that you're you're helping to build the kids uh, toolbox internally of how they can navigate these situations. And as I'm thinking about our professional drivers out there, I think this is a great thing you can connect with the kids in your life, whether they're your kids, your grandkids. Esther, I would love to hear from you as a TAT staff member, as a mom. What does this look like in your house? How are you having these conversations with your kids? What experiences have you had that you can share with our audience? Yeah, so in our home, if I'm being honest, we're pretty strict. All of our kids are 12 or under, so they just have very, very limited access. At this point, they have to be online because of their schooling to some degree. So 
my oldest, um, who's a girl, I'm able to have more of those conversations as she throws fits about why she's not on social media like all her friends. And so I'm able to educate her a little bit on why we make that decision, um, some of the dangers that we feel like are out there that we just don't want her to have to navigate yet. My boys are younger. I mean, their biggest temptation are those video games, you know, again, wanting to be able to play with their friends. And so just having those conversations with them in an age appropriate way around, you know, you just never accept those friend requests. Um, I really appreciate conversations like this because you're right. um, It's changing so fast continually and it's hard to keep up with. But I really appreciate, Sydney, just that perspective of empowerment for adults, not even just parents, but thinking about, okay, if those vulnerabilities are those pressure points for kiddos, think about all the kiddos in your life and how you can speak into those vulnerabilities in a positive way, I think is really important as a protective factor for our youth. So one thing before we wrap up, you know, what are some of those just tangible resources, tools? as they're trying to open that ongoing conversation around safety? Yeah, so there's actually a ton of really incredible resources that have kind of popped up over the past couple years. Our very favorite outside monitoring tool that we love so, so, so much is Bark. Bark connects with pretty much every social media online platform that you can think of. But when there's something of concern going on on that device, it takes a screenshot of what's happening and it either emails it to you or texts it to you along with kind of why it's of concern and sometimes even some talking points, some things that you can bring up um, about that. So I really love Bark. And then other platforms that you can look into, Protect Young Minds has a ton of information. And Talk Today, Safer Tomorrow, also, at Crime Stoppers, we've kind of put together a series of resource guides that focus on specific kinds of cyber safety. So we have one that's overarching for general cyber safety awareness. Then we have one that's specific to social media, to gaming, to human trafficking, and cyber safety kind of combined. So those are full of a ton of information about practical things that you can do and even terms to be aware of, like as a parent. If you're looking at your kid's device and you're like, what are these abbreviations? What does this mean? We have done our homework on those. (laughs) But again, those are only an aid to you um, in addition to your ongoing active conversations and monitoring. These are conversations you can have from anywhere, right? As a professional driver, maybe you don't get to have this around the dinner table, but then you can be texting and calling uh, with the kids in your life, sharing these resources with them engaging in these conversations around decision making. So even if you're not sitting right next to them as a situation is happening, you're continuing to train them. And how do I make these decisions? How do I discern? How do I react when these things happen? So I love that this is something that you can actively be doing and effectively be doing from anywhere. These are some great insights, and I'm sure they will be very helpful for the folks listening, for the drivers out on the road, for any kids they connect with, uh, for moms and dads and uncles and grandparents, uh, for friends. And just to recap, you can go to crimestoppersofhouston.com to see some of these resources that Sydney mentioned. We'll also be linking them in the show notes. So there'll be a ton of great resources to check out there, as well as obviously Sydney's podcast, uh, sharing this podcast episode, even talking about it with the kids in your life could be a great resource, a great conversation starter. Now, if you take anything away from today's session, I hope it is this. Talk to the kids in your life about what human trafficking is, about who a pimp really is, And if they are ever unsure of anything that's happening online, to come and talk to you, to find a trusted adult to talk to about this, walk through the situation and find the best way to respond. And 
to let them know and show them that you are that safe place. So thank you to all of the drivers out there who are working to keep our communities safe, both on the road and in their homes and communities. Thank you for being a trucker against trafficking because you truly are driving freedom.